Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Millennial Love, a podcast from The Independent on everything to do with love, sexuality, identity and more. Today, I am very excited to be joined by Roxy Nafusi, self-development coach, manifesting expert, and author of the Sunday Times best-selling book, Manifesting, Seven Steps to Living Your Best Life. Today, we are here to talk about all things manifesting, how it works, and how practicing it could actually transform your romantic life. Hi Roxy, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So, start us off by explaining what manifesting actually is and what it means. So, manifesting is the ability to use the power of your mind to change and create the reality you experience. And it's something that I would say, you know, it feels magical. There's this kind of magical feeling to it because you know, when you get um, to the real grips of manifesting, you start to use it in your life, you really are able to attract anything that you want. You can, um, you know, make things happen that you thought may be impossible, but it's not magical at all. It's essentially just a self-development practice. And I always say that it's like manifesting is kind of the umbrella and self-development just falls underneath it. Mm. This is what I find really interesting because I think when people talk about manifesting, it kind of has this like woo-woo connotation that it's about writing down a list of everything you want and then kind of sitting and waiting for it to just happen to you, yeah, yeah. which is obviously something that people are going to be like, mm, that's not going to work. But that's not ev- that's not at all what it is. So can you explain a little bit more about the kind of self-development side of things and how I know you write in the book about energy and, you know, how changing your energy can actually make certain things happen for you just because you're more open to them. Is that right? Um, well, I think you're totally right. It's basically not about just thinking about what you want because, you know, at the moment there's kind of big TikTok trend uh, about manifesting and the millennials love it. Gen Z are kind of going, I'm going to manifest passing my exams. It's like, you still have to fucking revise, (laughs) right? You can't just like think about yourself passing and then go out to the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so that's kind of like, yes, doing a vision board being clear in your vision, that's step one of my seven steps. So it really is just like the first step of manifesting. And then the rest is, I mean, it's such a full practice, but it's about taking action, working hard. Um, It's about stepping outside your comfort zone, embracing gratitude, um, being mindful, like you say, of your energy and shifting into a high vibrational frequency, Um, but also at the core of it, and this is the most important thing about manifesting is that you manifest what you believe you are worthy of. And so self-love is the driving force behind manifesting. So that's what makes it such a kind of incredible practice of, uh, you know, of self-development. It's an inward journey. It's an inner healing journey. And it really filters through into every area of your life. Mm. 
And can you tell us a bit about what drew you to manifesting? Because I know you have a really interesting story about how you kind of got there, uh, which you write about in the book and how you kind of picked yourself up from this essentially rock bottom space into it. How did you come across it and how, how did it help you? And I guess what, because when you're in that space where you are so low and it feels like you can't get out, I think it's really helpful for people to hear what made you actually willing and open to try something like manifesting, which was completely unfamiliar to you, you know? Yeah. So I kind of lived my 20s just addicted to cocaine and cigarettes and alcohol, and I had no purpose, no drive, no motivation. Um, I actually used to think that I was a really like lazy person and really negative, and in high, now I'm like, I can't even believe I would associate those words with myself. Um, but I also just never knew happiness. I was so, so deeply depressed and I had, I just hated who I was. I hated myself. I felt I never fit in. Um, and I just thought my life would always be like that. And I had many rock bottoms along the way, you know, lots of times where I thought, oh, like, I just can't go on like this. And then I think I would start to try and change or go on a health retreat or something. And then I would always fall back to where I was. Um, but in May 2018, um, I really was just thinking, like, there's no hope for me. And I called my friend Sophia and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, will I ever, ever be happy? And she said, oh, I've just listened to this podcast on manifesting, you should listen. And I listened to this podcast and I remember the takeaway from that podcast was that manifesting was about self-worth. And I was like, oh, well, I have no self-worth, so of course I'm not manifesting anything good into my life. And so I went home and I started like researching about it and reading and listening to people speak and YouTube. I love YouTube for motivational videos. Um, and then two weeks later, Wade messaged me on a dating app called Raya on the 7th of June, 2018. And then on the 7th of June, 2019, our son was born, Wolf. And then after Wolfie was born, I really did go on to use manifestation to change every single area of my life. Like my life now is unrecognizable and I, I truly thank manifesting for mm. that. I mean, now we'll talk about it in the context of relationships because I think this is probably one of the most common things that people want to manifest is, yeah. you know, whether they're single or not, it could be manifesting a healthy relationship if you're in an unhealthy one it could be manifesting like a soulmate which i know you talk about a lot or manifesting unconditional love which which i guess you did with your son and that's mm. what you write about how how does that work though because obviously i know a lot of the time when you talk about manifesting it's about imagining a very kind of specific goal but i think manifesting something like a soulmate or a partner is a little bit more broad isn't it because you can't or is it about being specific about exactly what and working out what you're looking for in someone? Mm. And, and how, so how does that work and how did that work for you? You know, did you kind of actively write down all the different things you were looking for? I think that when manifesting a soulmate or a partner, it's definitely about manifesting um, how you want to feel within a relationship, like how that relationship feels to you. So do you want to feel you know, respected? Um, do you want to feel unconditionally loved? Do you want to feel safe? Do you want that feeling of being at home with someone? And of course, also what values that person has, because those are really important things when looking for a long-term partner. So it's kind of not saying, 
I want someone who's six foot three and blonde and has tattoos, but saying I want someone who um, really enjoys travel the way that I do or who's fa who family is really important to or who really makes me laugh, you know, those kind of things. So mm. I think, you know, it really is about attracting someone into your life that can, you know, be the person that can give you the kind of relationship that you want. Mm. It's interesting because I think even though I know you met Wade on a dating app, I think all of that that you just spoke about is kind of the antithesis to what dating apps want us to do when we're looking for someone, isn't it? Because yeah. they want us to find those really kind of superficial details and focus on those as opposed to thinking about the things that you would pick up on if you did meet someone in real life, like mm connection and kind of eye contact and just a general vibe that you have with someone that you can't really get necessarily over the phone. I think we kind of live in this world where we have become a little bit lazy now mm -hmm. with, our, with what we look for in love. And that's why I think manifesting in this context is so interesting because a lot of it is essentially just about looking inwards, isn't it? And kind of recognizing patterns that, you know, might not necessarily be the most healthy and yeah. trying to move away from that kind of like is it like a form of self therapy in a way do you think yeah definitely because like I said manifesting is all about self-worth and I think somewhere where a lot of us lack self-worth is in feeling that we are lovable and mm. that we ca we deserve to be unconditionally loved and that's why so many of us accept relationships where we're settling or we're allowing someone to treat us in a way that we just don't deserve when which no one deserves and so I think Manifesting a soulmate is, for many people, the hardest thing because they're having to undo years and years of, um, you know, these limiting beliefs that they're not worthy enough or, you know, attractive enough or lovable enough or good enough, you know, and, and that's a really hard thing to, to o firstly, also be honest with yourself about, to kind of sit there and go, yeah, I don't think I'm lovable. Mm. Like that's also, also, you have to be quite vulnerable to even get to that place. And then to work on that inward journey and inner healing, it takes time and it's not something that you can do overnight. So that's why it's not just you write your vision board and then they appear. Mm. You have to really believe that you are worthy of that kind of love. Yeah, definitely. Because that's when, if you, if you are open to it and if you do believe in it, then, then it will come to you. Because I think there is this idea, isn't there, if you, like you said, if you don't think you deserve it, you're not going to find it. Because even if you do find someone who could potentially be a good partner, if you're in that frame of mind, you could convince yourself out of it. And oh, yeah. Like self-sabotage. Yeah, self-sabotage. Exactly. Talk to me about this idea of tests from the universe, because I think this is really interesting when people, particularly skeptical people about manifesting, will say, OK, well, what if I manifest a partner and then they turn out to be a massive fuckboy or they turn out to mess me around and they just leave me heartbroken, you know. Is that an example of manifesting not working or isn't it an example of, of it kind of taking you on a longer journey? No, if you meet a fuckboy or whatever, it's just a test from the universe. You haven't manifested your person at all. <laughs> and I think that on any manifesting journey, you're going to come across tests and the tests are the universe saying to you, how worthy do you really think you are? So if you go on a date with someone and you know it's amazing and you're like, oh my God, it was incredible, this is it. 
and then they start playing hot and cold with you. That is a test. It's mm. just saying, how, how much do you really respect yourself? How worthy do you really think you are of being treated you know, the way that you should with you know, unconditional love or you know, maybe not unconditional love in the first date, but you know what I mean. And I think that this is where so many of us just fall flat because we get, you know, I think love and dating is such an interesting pattern and I'm kind of obsessed with, I love talking about relationships and I could give people relation advice till like, like all day long. Um, but when we have this first date, there's this incredible feeling, especially, and not to be cliche, but as women, I think, we do get totally just like, you know, when a guy is really nice to us, saying all the right things. And then as soon as they start playing hot and cold, we have this kind of thing that we're holding onto that becomes addictive. And so when they start going off, we're still craving that high. So we're waiting for the high to come back and it's the exact same cycle as addiction. And I always hear people going, oh, but they were so nice in the beginning. It's like, of course they were. They're, they're supposed to be nice in the beginning. They're always going to be nice in the beginning. But the, it's not about how they were. It's about how are they treating you right now, like today. Um, and I think that the more quickly we can set our own boundaries and more than set them, honor them, um, the more able we are to pass these tests and to go on to meet the person who is right for us. So I always say to anyone, if you're casually dating someone who's constantly hot and cold with you and you're stringing it out for whatever reason, you are blocking your person coming into your life. Mm. You have to let them go. Um, and walk away because it's not serving you or them. Yeah, it's so difficult though, isn't it? Because it is, like you say, it is an addiction. And I think when you're in the thick of it, you, you do have to essentially wean yourself off that person, don't mm. you? And, and, it, and it, it does ultimately boil down to a lack of self-respect, doesn't it? Because in order to persist with that, you must think on some level that that is all you deserve. Yeah, it's that and it's this, um, it's just like this, dreamy hope that somehow it's going to magically change mm. but I don't look there are certain circumstances where people maybe have gone like the other person after being hot and cold maybe has gone on some incredible self-healing journey and they've come to a place where they realize that well they want to be with you mm. but more often than not they're never going to get to that place and once, I mean, my sister always used to tell me, if you want to know how someone's going to teach you in the, in the future, look at how they treated you in the past. Mm. And it's so true. And cycles really do repeat themselves. Unless two people are fully committed to like open communication, inner work, inner healing, together and separately, um, I don't think it happens that often. Mm. And so if it's not working, acceptance is key. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I know that you, you used to describe yourself as a love addict, mm. which I'm guessing is sort of tapping into that kind of behavior and being drawn to those kind of people who do kind of mess you around a little bit because you just are kind of enthralled to it. How do you think manifesting and that practice has kind of moved you away from that? Well, I was a love addict in a different way, actually, that I would like, lo I just love the intensity of the beginning. Right. And then I can switch off quite quickly. So it's not so much. So yeah, it's, it's a weird one, me and love. Um, I also, um, I just love the high. Yeah. I think I've, I'm an addict at heart, and so I will always be drawn to that high. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely feel like I've grown out of that. But I think I didn't grow up seeing a healthy relationship, or I've not grown up watching love. Mm. And so, you know, that of course impacted me and how I would the kind of relationships I attracted into my life. But I also feel like maybe I don't have a conventional view on relationships. For me, I really believe in like manifesting soulmates, but I also believe that you can have multiple soulmates throughout your life. Mm. And for me personally, the idea of one person forever isn't something that like really excites me. I'm not like, wow, that's really what I want for, for, for my life. Yeah. Um, and that's fine because not everybody has to have the same path. But for me, that isn't, that isn't the most important thing to me. Mm. Actually, I think that each relationship you have in life um, shows you a completely different world and a different side of yourself. And it's, uh, so yeah, for me, who knows, never say never, but I'm not, that's not what gets me going. Mm. I love that because I think that's a very honest and also just realistic way of looking at it because, and also it, it makes for much healthier breakups from people because mm. you don't have to have this massive like low of like, oh my God, I've lost the person I was meant to be with yeah. forever. You can just appreciate that relationship kind of for what it was and what it totally. taught you. And it's just a much, much better way to to deal with that psychologically. And how did you, how did you get to that realization? And because and, I know you, you were in a relationship when you were quite young with a much mm. older guy, mm. right? Which I, I can imagine was was not, like you weren't at that place at that point. No, then I was really like, this is my person forever. <laughs> I was like so obsessed, so in love. I was like besotted. And so that breakup took me years to recover from. And I think then I thought, oh God, I'm never gonna go through this pain again. Um, and then after that, I don't think I've ever, I've had lots, not lots, I've had a couple of long-term relationships since then. Um, They've both brought me, offered me different things, and I'm still friends with every one of my exes. So good. Like every one of them, apart from that one. Right. Um, because I don't think breakups have to be sad things. I think that they can, you know, every ending is a new beginning. Mm. I think that people that you've been with romantically know 
you in such an intimate way and they can actually be the best of friends. Mm. And how do you deal with like if people, because I think if people read your story and they think, okay, so she's talking about manifesting unconditional love and she's got this son and she's got this partner, mm. but now she's broken up with that partner. How can you, because I understand why that's all part of the journey and mm. what that teaches you, but to people looking at that thinking, oh, well, this manifesting stuff obviously doesn't work. Yeah. What, what do you say to them? So I'm so glad you asked me this because I've been wanting to answer it for ages and not knowing kind of how because yeah. I feel like I can't write it in text and express it how I want to. I think that, firstly, I would say that imagine that you wanted to manifest a house, okay? Would you then expect that person to live in that new house for the rest of their entire lives? Otherwise, you would tell them that manifesting didn't work. Or if you manifested a promotion, would they have to be in that job forever? Otherwise, manifesting didn't work. Um, so I think that's kind of the first thing. And secondly... That's such a good point. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's such a good point. Um, I wanted to manifest unconditional love and firstly I found that I have that with my son mm. like he is he is also one of my soulmates like Wolf is 100% a soulmate and I say in the book that me and Wade are stronger than ever and we are we may not be together romantically but we are best friends we live five minutes away from each other and I absolutely mean it when I say that Wade is the best thing that ever happened to me. I would never, ever have been able to build my career um, or be the person that I am without him and all of his wisdom and all of his knowledge and all of his support. And 100% he's a gift from the universe. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make me doubt manifesting in the slightest it only strengthened my belief in it yeah. and like I said for me my who like I've never wanted at this point in my life I have never desired and it's not my desire currently to meet one person forever mm. god I, I really I really rate that I think that's a really really healthy approach I think we could avoid so much sort of a, I don't think we would stay in toxic relationships for longer than mm. we should, which so many people do, don't they? Because they don't want to risk the drama of the breakup and go through the trauma of it, and they think it's just easier to stay unhappy, and mm. like, this is what I should be in, and you feel kind of trapped in these bad relationships. Yeah, yeah. And because society doesn't really tell us that exactly what you just said, that it's okay, that some people are meant to come into your life for a period of time, teach you something, and then move on, and then you go and be with someone else. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think every relationship is can teach us so much, and it, it does change us, and I think that also that feeling of being in love mm -hmm. is incredible. Like, it's the best feeling, and so if you got to experience that with someone, you also have so much to be thankful for. You know, just because it doesn't last forever doesn't mean it wasn't great. It's yeah. like when you have a an ice cream when you finish you're not like oh, fuck well it you know it was for, why did I bother you know like that <laughs> stupid ice cream or maybe you are but you know you're like hey at the time I was eating that ice cream I really enjoyed that that mm. was great or the same like going on holiday you know you come back you don't wish you'd never been yeah, yeah because yeah, you're yeah, sad yeah. to be home you're like no that was an amazing experience I'm going to hold on to those memories forever yeah Tell me a little bit about Wolf, because I think the way that you've spoken about motherhood and your kind of initial ambivalence to it is also really interesting and helpful to a lot of, a lot of you know, mothers, new mothers, unexpected mothers, because you got pregnant, what, after 
12 weeks of, mm. of meeting Wade, right? Yeah. So how did you, because obviously, you know, you wanted that kind of love in your life and, you know, I presume you did want children, but then mm. it kind of came to you in that way. How did you deal with the unexpectedness of it and how did you get to a place where you knew that this was something you wanted and you kind of welcomed it into your life? Mm. Well, I didn't deal with it well at all, actually. <laughs> I was, you know, it was awful. I was really, uh, really upset when I found out. And of course, there's that thing of, there's a lot of shame around being upset about being pregnant because you also don't want to feel seem ungrateful because you know that it's not yeah. easy for so many women. Um, and, but I never, ever, ever for a second doubted I was going to, like have Wolfie and have a child with Wade. I knew that Wade would be the best dad in the world and he is, like I couldn't dream of a better father for my children. Um, he's so amazing. And, um, but I was still in, you know, I still was in the midst of addiction. And so I was suddenly having a baby with someone that really I didn't know. Um, neither of us really had any money, um, you know, being a kind of someone that was a bit not <laughs> that into long-term forever commitment, I was still in that mindset of, oh my God, if I have a baby with someone, does that mean I have to be with them forever? And what yeah. if I change my mind? And you know, there was that panic. And, and with that panic, I didn't have my crutches of cocaine, alcohol, cigarettes. Mm. You know, I had to give up suddenly. And so, yeah, I was just not prepared. I wasn't ready um, and my hormones definitely played a part and I suffered from very, very severe prenatal depression. And I mean, I've spoken about this before, but you know, I, I did, um, those nine months were like really hell for me, um, like a mental prison, uh, the pain and um, the sadness every single day was incredibly overwhelming and you know, wow to Wade because he didn't know anyone in England and I was at my lowest ebb and he just was my rock throughout. So yeah, it was a really tough pregnancy, but I kept visualizing what I would want my life to be like afterwards. And I think from that, you know, of all the pain of uh, that I grew up knowing, and all the years of addiction and, and those that shame and regret, nothing came close to the to how low I was in pregnancy. Mm. Like it's I can't it's so strange, but it was just such a dark time for me. Yeah. But I vowed to never ever feel that low again and that I would make my life the best it was gonna be. I was gonna make a career for myself, I was gonna, you know, make my son proud, I was gonna be happy, I was gonna be the best version of myself that existed. Um, and I did that and the minute Wolf was born, I was like, this is it. And I just put all my drive and will into that. Mm. I mean, it's an incredible thing that you're talking about it because it's really not something that I've ever heard spoken about in any depth at all. You know, postnatal depression, a lot of people do talk about that mm. now, but I think because there is this idea that when you are pregnant, you're supposed to be the happiest you've ever been, you know? Mm. I mean, also after you've had the baby, but mm. pregnancy, there's all these kind of stereotypes of like, look at your glowing skin, yeah, look at yeah. your amazing hair, look yeah, at your yeah. beautiful bump, and <laughs> you're so happy and you can't wait to have this baby. But so I imagine the kind of the shame from that and the stigma for, for not feeling that makes yeah. it all the more isolating. Well, I remember a friend of mine, well, she, she's not really a friend now, 
but she'd been a really close friend for a long time and I remember finding out that she'd just been so like she'd just been going around gossiping about how awful it was that I was complaining and oh that I wasn't gosh. happy um, and I understand I mean fair like I'm not expecting everyone to get it mm. but it was really hurtful and I think it made me feel even worse yeah I don't blame because you. there was this oh god like should I I should feel mm. happy but no one should feel anything you just have to honor how you are feeling yeah and so when Wolf was born was it from was it was it immediately from that moment that, that your mindset changed or did it take a bit, a no. bit of time to get there I found it really hard to connect with Wolf um, at the beginning because I was still in so much self-loathing and I just I just hated myself so much and I still felt lost I felt more hopeful because I felt like I was a bit in control of my body again and that I could like you know I wasn't just waiting for this labor you know I was like I was gonna I was in the next chapter of my life mm. so there was some hope that came with that um, but it took a couple of months uh, but then there was something just clicked to kind of form four months it mm. was like and then everything happened very quickly from then that's a really lovely note to end on and that brings me to our lessons in love segment which we do in every episode of the show and where every guest just shares something that they have learned from their previous relationship experiences and I, I feel like again I say this every episode because I feel like the entire episode it's like we've done lesson after lesson <laughs> after lesson but if you can just pick one thing um, that you've learned what would that be? I think it would be um, to remove all expectation of a relationship and um, the person that you're with and I don't mean the basics which is you should expect to be treated with respect and you should expect to be loved um, but you shouldn't expect him or her to have done this really romantic gesture when you got a new job if you didn't say that you wanted that you shouldn't mm -hmm. expect them to have the same love language as you you shouldn't expect them to do anything really at all unless you express yourself and this communication and this openness I think is key because it doesn't matter how in love someone is with you or how in love you are with them they don't know what you're thinking and so just constantly keeping an open dialogue um, allowing yourself to be vulnerable mm. I just think is integral to a healthy relationship yeah that's such a good one and I think just reminding yourself that you're not in a rom-com and your <laughs> partner is not just going to magically give you everything you want and you know make you the exact dinner that you want when you come home after a horrible day at work and then you know that's just it's unless you tell them that that's exactly. what you want and yeah it might not be as magical and it might be a little bit less sexy but that is just the reality of our world exactly people can't read our minds and also one person doesn't have to be your everything mm. like they don't have to be the person that like you know is your best friend and the person that goes shopping with you and the person that goes to dinner with you and the person that has a night out with you and the person that you talk to about work and the person that you talk to about your family like not one person doesn't have to be everything mm. and I think sometimes we expect our kind of soulmates or our romantic partners to be to kind of provide us with everything that we could have in a relationship mm. but that's why we have friends and family yeah. and you know, and I think that just takes the pressure for a relationship a bit. Yeah, and knowing who to go to for each thing. And then, yeah. again, it's about managing expectations, I suppose, isn't it? Because it's, it's about not 
relying on your partner and putting all that pressure on them because totally. they're only going to disappoint you. Because <laughs> people, people aren't superhumans. Exactly. <laughs> That's all we've got time for. Honestly, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank it's you been so, so nice much. to chat to you. Thank you. And thank you so much for listening. If you have enjoyed this episode of Millennial Love, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify, or wherever else it is that you get your podcasts. Please do leave us a rating and subscribe too so that more people can find us. If you are more of a visuals person, you can watch the show on independent TV and you can keep up to date with everything to do with the show on Instagram. Just search for Millennial Love and I will see you soon. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.